0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for people doing good in the world, as well as TheLeveragists.com. We have a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. Oh, and he reached out to me this morning. So we could actually talk about Ken for a minute, if you'd like. Ken actually yeah. has something big going on right now. Have you heard about it?
2: The uh, impact event, I helped promote it on Thunderclap yesterday, and uh, he was up to about $1.4 reach on Thunderclap and needed some more help so I was helping him out. I was like, we gotta get Lewis Howes or somebody uh like that to promote it or a Joel Com. oh he did. Joel Com did promote it. But a uh, Lewis or somebody else Lewis Howes liked something on my personal timeline uh the other day. I was like, What? And I had to go make sure it was him with the little check mark next to it because 'cause I'm like, well, that's gotta be an imposter. And no, he liked one of my inspirational videos that I put up. I was like, hey,
0: Famous.
2: Cool. But anyway, can you yeah, live impact event?
0: Live impact event. And you can go and support it on Thunderclap right now at joindu.com forward slash impact event, all one word, joindu.com forward slash impact event. I am actually heading up the key influencers group for Ken for the impact event we've got a group of about hmm, close to 300 I think now influencers that I've helped Ken build over the last year to help support all that he's doing with the impact event and especially the impact movie which is going to be really really cool so the movie is all about the story of how impact happens. And as it un, as the story unfolds, you start realizing all these things that you didn't expect that really do happen. So one person does one thing and it interacts with many, many, many other people. If you think about what you're doing, a little baby split second before you do it, you really can choose to do things in the way that's going to have the greatest positive good rather than just allowing it to happen and unfold as it will. Well, we have someone else who's out in the world making a big impact joining us right now. Jack, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Inez Bracey, our guest for today.
2: Inez Bracey helps women fall and stay in love with yourself so that you of pure bliss and infinite passion. She uses an impressive toolbox of proven hands-on tips with a generous sprinkling of metaphysics and a splash of spirituality. Iñez has been there and knows the struggle that women go through to make a choice to experience life differently. Iñez is a coach, speaker, author, scientist, and teacher dedicated to empowering high-performing professional, executive, and self-employed women over 50 to reconnect with themselves, renew their joy, and courageously live their lives. She created Emerge, Inspire, Live as a means to help them use what they've gone through in life to live their dream lifestyle now. Inez, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here.
0: I'm so glad we connected to get you on the show today, Inez.
1: Thank you, Gina.
0: And is Facebook correct? Do you really live in Fiji?
1: Sometimes. Uh, right now I'm in the States, but sometimes I do live in Fiji.
0: Wow, what an awesome dream lifestyle. we got to hear more about that, Jack. <laughs> it is lovely. It is definitely lovely, yes. I'm going to let Jack take it away. Go ahead, Jack. Okay, well, we'll start
2: you out like we do everybody every week, and that is what got you out of bed this morning with a fire in your belly to greet the day?
0: Just
1: waking up and hearing the birds sing, it was time to get up. It was amazing. You know, I love, love, love hearing the birds in the morning. And do you, you know they start around 530? They don't wait for so that they like to actually show up. Oh, yeah. And it brings me sometimes that's, joy. Sometimes uh, if you're I camping and it. you've had
2: a long night before, it's not um, pleasant sometimes. It depends <laughs> on the kind of birds that have decided to wake you up at 430 in the morning and how far away they are from your tent. But when I'm at home, it's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, so uh, I was going to ask you, um, what uh, can you tell us more about um, how you've created this lifestyle that I sense you have going on with at least part-time living in Fiji, where do you live uh, outside of Fiji at, on the other times, and how in the world have you managed to wrangle this lifestyle together?
1: I love your words. Wrangle is exactly it. I always dreamed, even from a child, of traveling the world. And in 2014, I had the opportunity to do that because my nephew was getting married in the Philippines, and I didn't want him to get married without one of his family members there, so I went and I decided while I was over there, well, since I'm over here, I might as well stay, you know. So I started traveling, and I traveled in 14 countries. And when I got to Fiji, it was a oh, bleeding your home. The air was warm. I was coming out of Australia and New Zealand, and it was their winter. So Fiji was nice and warm and accepting and just amazing. So that is how I did it. But I can tell you this. Many people think that it takes a whole lot of money to travel. The biggest expense is getting from the U.S. to a place overseas. And then when you're overseas, you get to travel on their value airlines, which doesn't cost nearly as much once you get there. And the other big expense is where you're going to sleep. So we get to decide, do we want to stay in five-star hotels, or will a budget hotel do, or will a hostel even do? And I discovered in my third country that, Hostel living was perfect for me because all I would do is get in 10, 11 o'clock at night, go to sleep, and out again by 10 o'clock in the morning all day out, you know, sightseeing and meeting people and doing things. That was very valuable for me because it gave me the wherewithal to be able to stay out there for 14 months. Had I kept staying in the places I had been staying when I first started, I would have been back here at the end of three months. It is
2: kind of neat. I've been following a a guy who um, has uh, a business, you know, online, everything. It doesn't really matter where he lives. And um, and even though he makes really pretty good money, he could probably stay at those places. He likes to stay because there's an aesthetic to it too. So I I wonder sometimes if the stigma of staying in – Places like hostels and things like that didn't come from the travel industry. That makes a lot more money when you stay in the five-star hotel. So let's say uh, you shouldn't be in that college anymore. Um, you know the beds are lumpy. That's no way to live. You're successful now. Go. Li- but this guy doesn't believe that, and he teaches people how to have a really good adventurous time in their travel. Not a dangerous. Well, sometimes danger if you do the you know skydiving and things like that, but but as far as you know the creativity that he shows in how you travel it's what reminded me when you were talking about that about him cuz there there's just it's like an underground everything has an underground knowledge base and a lot you know a lot of people are like well I saw the ad for T on TV about this resort that I'd stay in and then the travel costs and everything else and I'm never going to be able to do that and they leave it at that and they don't know people like you And the guy I'm talking about and and people who really figure out, you know, there's a a way to get overseas from wherever you are and have a great time and a great experience with the budget that you probably already have or with a lot less savings than you think it's going to take to do it.
1: And that is so true. And one of the things that I discovered is by staying in other places, I got to meet so many different people from different walks of life, and so, yeah, there are families staying in hostels, there are singles. It's just amazing, and many of us choose that because of the the camaraderie that comes up. There, there's no separation. Sometimes in a five star hotel, it's kind of haughty, haughty. But in the hospital, Mm -hmm. everybody comes as themselves. It doesn't matter if they have PhDs, MDs, or whatever. They tell you their name. They don't tell you their title, which makes it so easy to have great conversations. And the other thing I discovered is people who travel are usually happy people, so we just enjoy having great conversations about where we've been, what we're doing, going on excursions together, and that is how I prefer to spend the dollars that I have or use dollars that I have on these excursions, these magnificent places, the wonders of the world. For years, we had the seven wonders that never changed, but now they change almost yearly. They add some more to it, so it's, a, it's just awesome to visit these places and experience the energy of them and the people there. And it, it's just it's uplifting to be able to do that.
2: Yeah. You know, I had a little bit of an insight that you while you were talking about what's the difference between five star and experience, and is there one? Do people who who do the five star route who never really get dirty? Or they don't sweat. They don't because everything's air conditioned. They don't. You know, is how much of that is just look at me, I'm staying in a five star, and avoiding life itself, and how much of that is actually experience and I would say probably that you know maybe we design this whole five star lifestyle stuff to escape what life really is because sometimes it's uncomfortable and sometimes it challenges you sometimes there's resistance that you must overcome and if you get on first class you don't have to be crammed in the back and have that discomfort if you live in a five star your rooms are spacious and everything's crisp and clean and everything but you're not having conversations you're not getting your fingernails dirty you're not sweating and you know and do and dealing with resistance and dealing with uh, the the ups and the downs I mean the ups are much higher up if you've experienced the down in your daily life in the last five minutes and in your life in total at least from from my experience has that been yours
1: it's been my experience now. I don't listen. I do enjoy every now and then I would treat myself to that luxury lifestyle for a couple of days just to get back centered and just to experience it and then go back to staying in the hostels and traveling with people or travelling by myself wherever I wanted to go. And each one offers something different for different people. Some people would never be able to imagine staying in a hostel. And for, for me, I couldn't even imagine it at first. When I left here, a friend of mine who had just traveled, she's 86, and she said, Inez, you must stay in a hostel. And I said, Oh, Anne, I could never do that. But once I started mm. it, I just enjoyed it so much, meeting people, young people. Because one of my things is, okay, I have all this gray hair, who's going to talk to me? It was almost like a magnet for people to come and talk to me. It was amazing. So having all these experiences with the young people, with the families, little babies even coming up to me, crawling up and crawling up, pulling up on my leg, it was amazing. But I loved the energy around it, and I wasn't squirmish about it. And even though many of them did not speak English, many Asians did not speak English, we still communicated with our body language.
2: Isn't it fascinating how everybody's the same? In a, in a world where yeah. we we pretty much separate everybody out into their different colors shapes sizes genders all that stuff like we're a box of candies with different fillings and everything but we're not I mean we literally all our skeletons all look identical <laughs> we at, and and you can go somewhere in the world with normal people where that's not the issue where people are just living their daily lives and nobody's got that heightened sense of you're you and i'm me and you're different and i'm different and th- th- that they're just living their lives I, I know the smiles that you can recall in your mind right now that you've gotten from people who don't speak your language that being the only difference between you you know you, you, you you're both probably hungry or getting ready to go somewhere or whatever and there's just when we get into action state and we're just living you you I can just picture the eyes that you've seen, the smiling eyes from old people and young people and babies and the communication that you've had to come up with just because there was a little bit of a language barrier. The body language is there, and intent is very clear to see. If you're used to that, if you've opened yourself up to, well, let me just not be uncomfortable in this situation. Let me just, you know, they don't know how to speak my language either, but we have to communicate here if we want to, you know, do something, get something done. And I can just picture what you, the types of experiences that you've had um, by being open to that. Do you help women with that kind of stuff? I mean, that must be one of the reasons that you're good at what you do, and and just helping them does is is this travel stuff and the things that we've been talking about. Does that play in how you work with women and helping them live the life of their dreams?
1: Yes, it does, and I'm so glad you asked that question because. For us, and after a certain age, I'm going to say 50, we've been living for everybody else. We've done everything that people told us we should do. But deep inside, we have that burning desire to do something different. We might even have gone to school and gotten all the degrees because that's what they said we should do. And we worked in those fields. However, inside, we wanted to be an artist. We wanted to be a dancer. We wanted to travel. We just wanted to do something different. We wanted to garden. But we're living in New York City in a condo where we're going to garden. So we get to figure out what is it that really makes our hearts sing, what is it that we actually long to do. And I teach them and show them how to move from the longing to embracing it and really living that dream lifestyle. I have several clients who were saying, oh, Inez, I always wanted to travel. I always wanted to live someplace else. I don't like the city. And they've made the change. And they're happier now than they have ever been. Many of them have lost weight. They've gotten off their medications because now they are happy and they're energized. They were plugging along before. Now they no longer plug along. They jump up in the morning when the birds start singing, and they're having a grand time with their life. And some people say that's selfish, but I can tell you, Until we learn to be a little bit selfish with ourselves so that we can say yes to the things that we desire and affirm no for those things that are not in alignment with us, we will continue to suffer, feel guilt, shame, and remorse because we're not living our life for ourselves. When we live our life for ourselves, then we can give freely and generously to others, and that's what I'm finding with my clients.
2: I agree 100%. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, the kinds of things that you work with people on, um, you know, so that so that's kind of gives us some context with the, you know, they've done everything for everybody else, you know, brought up kids and and all that kind of stuff, and, and they're empty nesters probably predominantly now and looking for something new and adventure. I mean, do you have to teach people? Do you feel like you have to teach people? how to find their adventurous spirit that has been so suppressed over all the years. I mean, because they've been thinking about other people all the time, their family and, and things like that, their jobs, their careers. And, and 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 doesn't that just camp down into some little tiny corner of their being? Does that have to be reblossomed? And how do you do that with people who have, who can't even understand the words that are coming out of your mouth probably about the kinds of things that they could do? because they're not yet even in the mode of thinking about themselves.
1: How do you even snap somebody out of that? <laughs> I let them gently come out of it on their own. I give them the truth. One of the things that I require in order to work with me is you must give yourself permission and you must experience silence every single day, silenced and being still. When we are in silence, that means we turn off all the electronics. We are not going to jump up and go answer the door if anybody rings the doorbell. We are in silence and we are still. In this stillness and in this silence, we get to start to reconnect with, with our inner child, with that femininity, with that soul, with the goddess within. And as that starts to happen, we get little messages that tell us you know, you know, you used to enjoy painting. You used to enjoy dancing. You used to laugh a lot. All these things start to come up. And as they come up, you let them come up and you let them go. Those things that you desire to hold on to, you say, oh, yeah, I did enjoy doing that. Let me start writing again. And next thing you know, you've written three or four books because you started writing again, stuff that you enjoyed doing, but somebody told you you will never make any money doing that. Go to school and be a doctor. So that is what I do. I work with them in getting into the silence and being quiet. I had one client, a potential client, come to me, and I was going through my process with her, and I told her about the quiet and silence. She said, oh, Inez, I'm too busy for that. I said, well, then I won't recommend you to somebody else because I cannot work with you if you will not follow at least the silence and the quiet. What else will you not do? She said, oh, no, 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 I want to work with you. So we ended up working together, and she has blossomed (laughs) so much. Then she started with the silence, the quietness, and just listening to her intuition. It's amazing. So that's the first step, the very first step, is that reconnecting with that little girl that used to laugh out loud, that had her imaginary friend, all of that. And we get to reconnect in a way that supports us now to be accepting and know that it's okay.
2: I, I love that. Uh, it, it's nice to have multiple lives in one lifetime,
0: <laughs> to be able
2: to, yes. you know, go, hey, this isn't, this isn't who I am anymore. People don't need me for this anymore. I don't need this anymore. What am I going to do? I love the people who are too busy. I love the leverage that you use in being able to, be, to, to tell somebody I can't work with you when they say that they're not the right kind of person that you want to work with. How that often changes people's minds and makes them want to work with you even more,
0: when they right after
2: they say things like "I didn't have time for that" or whatever. I mean, I deal with that in my consulting business. A lot of people don't know what a consulting arrangement is or a coaching arrangement is, as opposed to a done-for-you thing. And of course, in your business, you can't feel for people. You can't. I mean, they have to be there in your business. They have to be present and they have to be, uh, you know, uh, driving the ship, right? So I I love that, but that is a really big point. I mean, you probably have some experience trying to work with people who have that mindset of, I'm too busy to to do everything, so I'm going to try to cheat it. And maybe you took a client on or two before you learned your lesson. Can you you give us some uh, details of your experience in that? Or has (laughs) it always been perfect?
1: How did you know? (laughs) How did you know? I (laughs) did. Early on, I learned that when a client, a potential client comes and they want to change everything to suit their schedule, the way they want to do things, I learned that it's the hardest client to work with. They, they, it just takes too much and they never get it. And that's when I said to myself, okay, if we have this program and I know that it works, whenever they cannot do just a minimum it's, it's it's not even going to work They're not going to see the results And I yeah. guarantee my results I guarantee that if you do this The way I'm working with you You will see magnificent Phenomenal results in record time Because I don't believe in seven you know a secret five, six, seven, eight, a year. Yeah
2: Yeah Yeah well I, I was just mm-hmm. going to say That only people who really the, the way that you just said that So confidently that you guarantee your results is because you know a secret you know something that you know much of the rest of the world and certainly your potential clients just haven't figured out yet and part of it is indulging in that the luxurious feeling of i know a secret and i think it has to do with your silence i think it has to do with the m-word meditation possibly but definitely you covered you know getting in a quiet place stillness very zen of you very buddhist of you but But that's part of your secret, isn't it? Because only somebody who's been through that mastered that in their own lives in some way, not that they spent 10,000 hours at it and become an expert or master, but just mastered the sitting down for 20 minutes a day or whatever it is that you prescribe, you know what's in store for them, and it's 100% of the time, right? It's never 99% or 50%. It's 100% of the time. So what an easy guarantee you can make.
1: I never thought of it like that, but you know what? You're right. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's definitely true. And it, once they start, they can't stop. They're so excited about it. Now they've learned something, and they're seeing the benefits from it. And that's, that's the biggest thing. They see the benefits very quickly because their mindset starts to change. Because I also work with them on changing their, their words, their thoughts, how the mindset changes and how you can change your neural pathways so that whatever it is you desire, you get to focus on that and not what you don't desire. And I go through a whole process, but the whole idea is they can change to be what they will to be. Well, okay.
2: So now that I know, you know, and you know, I know, then talk about that (laughs) from that place that we that we know about because so many times, and I'm you know, it, it, it's almost cliche to say you too can be president when you grow up. Nobody knows how what you mean by that. Like, you can change your life, and I then I feel like people have become a little bit tone deaf to the, those kinds of uh, things. Although you know what you're saying when you're saying it, let's indulge the people a little bit who are like, oh god, if I hear that again. Because I don't understand what that means to get from here to what you just said, to get from where, where my life is now to what you're talking about, which is kind of really fuzzy or I can't see it at all in my future. But I just have this yearning to do something different, more fulfilling, better in my life. Can you talk about it from, from the within, the, the journey within that you take people? Because everybody's been on an external journey from birth until whenever they're not. But everybody lives from outside. They're like, what's that guy saying about me? What's that car going to do? What's that bird? Is he going to poop on my shoulder? You know, like everything is all about the external. And, but you've discovered and, and you're teaching people about going within that their first journey, before they start traveling around the world, if that's one of their things, their first journey is inward. Can you explain what it means to change your life over into a life that you really desire? And you can do it and all that kind of stuff. Why do you say that with such confidence, speaking from what you've discovered by journeying within yourself before you blossomed and became who you are today?
1: Ah, I'm so happy that you said that because I, I'm sitting here like a, like a horse at the race, getting ready to run out the gate because that is so awesome. <laughs> do you know, do you know that we can even change our DNA? We can regrow our cartilage. That When I was in school, they said, once your cartilage was gone, we can regrow brain cells. Let me tell you something. Our mind is so powerful. It is, we get over 70,000 thoughts a day. Many of them are not our thoughts. Whose thought is it? Because if you know that energy is never, is never destroyed, it just changes forms. And, of course, it's coming to us, right, from millions of years ago. So as we are sitting and thinking or walking around and something comes into your mind, it's a song that you remember from when you were in grade school or middle school or high school. And you go, where did that come from? Why am I thinking about this song today? Well, something in your environment made that song come, and now you get to look at it and say, okay, it came. Now I can let it go. But we become aware When you were talking about living from outside, most of us are not even aware of what we're doing. We can drive from our house to where we go every day and not even see any scenery. and get out of the car and go into the building and say, oh, how did I get here this morning? Not even thinking. Because we are doing external. But when we start to paying attention to our thoughts, that's one of the first things we learn how to do, pay attention to our thoughts. And as we learn how to pay attention to our thoughts, we get to know, well, who told us that? Whose voice is that? Who told me I had to be a teacher? Who told me that? And then, even with your finances, who are you listening to? When somebody tells you, well, girl, I wouldn't do that, well, why not? Then you look at them, A well, girl, I would spend my money like this. Look at them. Who are you listening to? When we begin to understand the power of how we listen and to whom we're listening, then we get to change our thoughts in a way that supports us. Now, when I talk about being in support of who we are and who we're becoming, I'm talking about that yearning inside, that feeling inside where it's like a hole that we don't have the love for ourselves in there, that feeling inside that we are being a fraud because we look successful, we're wearing all the clothes, we're going to work, we got the car, we got the house, we got the eye candy on our arm. But what about that little girl that's crying out? this crying because this is not who I am and this is not who I desire to be when we start to reconnect there that's when we start to live from the inside that is when we can travel the world safely that's when we can travel our neighborhood safely that is when we start to become
2: wow nice you remind me that um, uh, a little bit earlier something reminded me of Alan Watts and his Description of what the universe and life is really like. And it was the best description I've heard to date that, that makes sense because, it, first, it agrees with the way most people feel how life can be um, in a certain context. When you get overwhelmed and there's just so much going on and you're really busy and there's just, it's just a cacophony of sometimes feels like chaos. And Alan Watts starts there with the explanation. He doesn't start with the sugar coating. He starts with the explanation. It's a beautiful one. He says the universe and life and everything else is just jazz. It's jazz, music. And jazz, if you think about some really serious, hardcore jazz in a basement of a bar in New York City or Chicago, in a smoky used to be smoky. You can't experience that anymore, unfortunately. But, you know, in one of those bars where the guys have been playing for a couple hours and it took them that long to get into this massive groove that they're in right now, and it's just notes everywhere. And this is why a lot of people don't like jazz because it matches so much with their lives because they don't understand what jazz is doing. And they're like, "Ew, that sounds, that's like the soundtrack to my chaotic life. But jazz is like, you know, life. There's all these different things you can do all these people you can meet like you today uh, and all the things that everybody's doing and if you let go and just experience it instead of fighting it this isn't rock and roll I like rock and roll I like beats on one two three and four I don't like this I'm fighting it I'm resisting it then it's going to sound awful (laughs) but if you just sit in the middle of a room where people are playing jazz and you just let it flow because that's what the universe clearly meant for us to do there's no way that we can keep track of everything and number everything and label everything and, and uh, keep up with everything and match everybody's different energy levels Anytime you walk into a room. and You're not supposed to do that, right? You're supposed to just right. let it happen and let it go wherever it goes, which is why it takes those guys, those masters, sometimes two or three hours of playing to get to that spot that they were after. You might have enjoyed the whole thing up until now, but they're after something else. They're chasing something else, and just—and they get there. It's that sweet spot. And that's what you're leading people to, isn't it? Isn't that what you're really doing is leading them to the sweet spot of their life now?
1: Yes, the sweet spot. I'm so happy that you said that because that's exactly what it is. Now, let me just say, when we get into that sweet spot, we're grooving, and I love that analogy with the, with the jazz. When we get into that sweet spot and we're groovy, it doesn't mean that we're not going to get a curve sometime for a detour. But because we have gotten there, we can handle it a little easier because we know that this too shall pass unless we decide to hold on to it. Now, when we decide to hold on to it, it'll hang around for as long as we allow. But if we say, okay, that just happened, there's an event situation, something like that, you let it go, you get right back into your groove. And it is an amazing (laughs) way to live our life. And then you mentioned the universe. I was on a show the other day, and we talked about the multiverse. Think about that for a minute. Suppose that it's not just one universe, but we have multiverses out there that come and give us the support that we need whenever we desire it. How about that, Jack? (laughs) Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, transferring a little money from my excessive bank account in another universe to make a deposit in this one. Uh I've done that before. Hey. <laughs> it works. <laughs> inexplicable money, like inexplicable, not something I worked for, not something that I said, "Oh, I got a plan, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to get a job or whatever." And that's explicable. You can tell people how you got that money. I I really like making money you can't explain. But not like making drug deals yeah. or something falls off the back of a truck. Although, you know, if money's wanting to fall off the back of a truck in front of me uh, at any time, I'm welcoming that. That's fine. I'll try to find the owner. But uh, maybe there will be a reward, and that will be the way the money is just, or anything, you know, just anything that happens. And it's just fun because you're like, once you experience that enough to realize that it's purposeful in its randomness, in its seeming randomness, but it's mm-hmm. really purposeful, it's kind of hard to put those words together. But you know what I'm saying, those do, those words do go together. <laughs> like, it seems oh, random. Do, yeah. And now I start paying attention to the random stuff because I know it has a purpose. Even if it's like, what the heck? Where did that come from? I can't explain exactly how that happened, but I'm going to follow that trail. I'm not going to turn away from that trail, you know?
1: Mhm. One of the things when we started looking for the how, we start making the water all muddy. It starts to get muddy, muddy, muddy. If we just allow how to show up, just like you mentioned about money, when we have magical miracles every single day, money does show up. Money is energy, and there's an energy about us that will attract it or repel it. Money wants to be used in a circulating way so that when we use it, it comes back to us in multitudes. That is how money is designed to be used. Money is designed to be loved. People say the love of money is evil. No, 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 no. The love of money is so that you can attract more of it. If you have a a mate, you want to love your mate. Is that not correct? Money is your mate. It allows you to be able to do the things that you desire. We have been so trained in looking at money in so many negative terms that we repel it from us. If we have loving money, we have clean money, we have fresh-smelling money. You see, rather than all those other terms that people use, it's going to come.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hilarious how many rules we got. The first face we ever saw when we were born, when our eyes really started to focus and and we could see something. We could hear before that. We could see now, and it's it's usually our mom, and and. We, at that moment, it's a a beautiful thing. It's a Hallmark card. Everybody's always like, oh, look at that, a mother and their kid, and for their first time they're meeting. When I see that, though, I'm like, wait a minute. At some point in the future, and hopefully sooner than later, we'll all be as aware as we need to be to realize that that thing laying there, looking up into your eyes, trusting you with every single thing that you're about to tell it until it goes and leaves the house uh, one day when it's 18 has to deal with all of your crap, <laughs> if you allow that, you know, all the stuff that you – because everything you know and everything that you're ready and prepared to teach them, you learn from your parents and you learn from other people who also had really crazy mixed-up lives in the beginning and were taught by people who didn't know any better themselves and on and on and on and on. It it seems like we're awakening to a moment in history where we're starting to break that cycle. And that, that that's, you know <laughs> – we try to do that with our kid. We, you know, There's no way that you can't rub off some bad habits and things like that, but to, to have a kid that just knows when that's happening and knows that it's okay to make their own choice about things, decisions, opinions, all, all that kind of stuff, I mean, it doesn't feel like we're hitting the age with people like you helping the way that you do, and there's so many of you now, so many more. Are we
1: breaking the cycle? Yes, we are. It's One of the things that we have come to terms with and understand is our parents and their parents did the best that they knew how at the time. They did everything that they knew how, but we also get to understand that there is ancestral and there is generational information that has been passed down to us. So as we look at this and we know it just doesn't fit, it no longer fits. So since it no longer fits, we get to release that and we send it back to the owners with love. And as we release it with love, then we can replace it with something that now fits. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, we are, I just realized we're running out. Where do people find you? How do people get into your sphere of influence and learn more about what it is you can do to help them?
1: Awesome. One of the places that you can connect with me is Facebook. And that's Ines.Bracey. So I would love it if you would come to Facebook and connect with me there. And I also have a Tribe of Inspired Women movement. If you go to TribeofInspiredWomen.com, you can join us on Facebook and our group, and I'd love to have you there. Awesome.
2: And it's so much fun today. I would love to have you back. I feel like we've got about 16 or 17 more hours that we could go. Do you feel the same way, 16, 17, maybe 20
1: hours? Yes, I'd love to come back. I'd love
0: to come back. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Dina, back to you. Thank you, guys. I know I'm so glad we finally got connected. I know we got a late start. I do want to have you back on the show. So let us know what Tuesday at noon Eastern works for you, and we'll get it all set up. Just email me if you would. Thank you. And, again, you can find Inez on Facebook. Just do a search for Inez, I-N-E-Z, Bracy, B-R-A-C-Y. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Have a great week, everybody.
2: Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?